The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Good morning, everyone. How are we? Uh, if you are new, my name is uh, Kylum. Uh, get the great joy of being one of the, the elders and pastors here uh, at LCC. Um, what we're going to do for the next five weeks essentially is look at the mission of our church. And so, as Shane has already said, the mission of our church is to make, mature and multiply disciples of Jesus. That is our mission. That is what we are wanting to do. And so what we want to do for five weeks is actually explore what does that actually mean? Like, what is a disciple? How does that function? Um, And just kind of give like a broad overview of what we're trying to do and then just invite you into that space and encourage you to to be about Jesus, to get on a journey. Uh, You might be here and you're not a Christian Um, and you're just kind of exploring. We want our church to be a safe space for you where you can come each week and you can get to know people and just explore and journey and find out who Jesus is. Some of you, you might be be someone who's been a Christian for 30 years and that journey just continues and it's going to always continue. Uh, The Bible tells us of of angels that are in heaven that have been circling God for all of eternity, essentially, Um, and they're still like seeing something new about God every time they see him again and they say holy and holy holy is the Lord and so we don't think discipleship ends we think this is a journey for the rest of our lives and everybody is at a different space and in a different timeline of that journey and so our mission is to make mature multiplied disciples of Jesus so we want to begin the year by exploring that so so why is that our mission Well, we want to say that is our mission because we think that's what Jesus said it should be. This is not something that we think we've created. It's not something that uh, we've we've made up. Uh, We think this is actually what Jesus told the first disciples to do and then every other disciple after that is supposed to be about that. So this is going to be our key text for this whole series. We're going to read it um, and I'm going to ask and encourage you, maybe see if you can know this off by heart. See if you can memorize this by the end of the series. Five weeks, it's only a few verses. Uh, this will come up on the screen. It's Matthew 28, 18 to 20. So Jesus is basically, he has died, he's risen again, and he has basically had 40 days with his disciples at the end of their life. And this is right near the end of Jesus' life on earth. And this is what he says to his disciples. Verse 18 says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the ends of the age. So this was Jesus' mission that he gave his disciples. And at this point, there are no other disciples. They're the only disciples. So their job is to go and make disciples that would then go and make disciples that would go and make disciples. And that's why 2,000 years later, we're in Australia... And there's a bunch of disciples. There's a bunch of people who've come to know Jesus and are starting to follow him. That's because a whole bunch of people started 2,000 years ago telling everybody who Jesus was, what he was like, what he was done. And then over time, if you follow the history of of how the the gospel spread, uh, essentially we're, we're like all the way at the ends of the earth and here we are and we are disciples that Jesus had in mind. And so what is Jesus calling them and by implication us now to make? Well, we've kind of nailed this down to three things. A disciple is someone that knows Jesus, trusts Jesus, and follows Jesus. We're going to unpack these three over the next three weeks in particular, but I just want to just kind of 
touch base a little bit on it. Uh, if you just keep that scripture up, uh, who does it say has all authority? Not rhetorical. You can answer this one. Who does it say has all authority? Jesus. Okay, that's important. Jesus has all authority. So it's, imp- it's going to be important that we know who this Jesus is because he's the one who has all, all authority. Who does it tell them to baptize people into? Father, Son, Spirit. And it's not, just, it's not just talking just water baptism of being immersed. This is identity language, like immersing people so that they would know who God is as Father, know who God is as Son, know who God is as Spirit. There's a knowledge piece of knowing who God is. And that's a part of what it means to be a Christian. It, it means, in a disciple, it means to grow in our knowledge and understanding of God. And who's going to be with you? Jesus. That's only helpful if you know who Jesus is. If you, if you go like mountain climbing or something like that and, and, and you've never done it before and then I come with you and I go, it's okay, I'm with you, you're not going to feel super safe because you're going to ask, well, how much rock climbing have you done? And I'm going to say zero, but I'm there for you. <laughs> right? It's not going to help you because you know what I can and can't do. But if Jesus is saying, hey, I'm with you, then if you know who he is, that actually helps. Secondly, he's calling them to trust him. He is going to be with them through it all, the highs and the lows. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians this year. As you read through 1 Corinthians, they really needed God to be with them, to help them, because they were a messy, messy church, and then he is calling them to follow him. He gives them instructions to go, make disciples, teaching them to obey You will only follow, you will only obey, you will only trust that which you know. And so it is our mission to help people know Jesus. As they get to know Jesus, learn to trust who he is and then eventually take steps of following him. And so it's our mission because Jesus says it's our mission. He's called us to it. But I think it's also our mission because if we understand what Jesus is trying to do in discipleship, it actually makes a lot of sense that this would be the mission of the church. So what I want to do is quickly go back to the beginning of the story. I want to look at the very beginning of the story according to the Bible. Then I want to jump all the way to the end of the story. And then I want to sort of say, hey, we're somewhere in between those those two. Is that cool with you? So let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is a picture. This is a grand picture. If you read Genesis 1, this is the first chapter of the whole Bible. It's this massive picture. It's this big macro. There is this being, there is this God who is creating galaxies and galaxies and galaxies. And right to this day, even scientists are saying they still think more galaxies are being developed and created. They're not really quite sure how that's going. But it's like his word went out and it still hasn't stopped going. It's creating still to this day. Right, And so it's like galaxy upon galaxy upon galaxy upon galaxy and then it kind of just draws our attention into one particular galaxy, the Milky Way, and then one particular planet called Earth and then to this one particular part of that place on Earth in the Garden of Eden. So it kind of goes big, massive, huge God and he's creating and at the end of every day he's like, I did that, I said that and then this happened and it was good and it was good and it was good. It's this huge macro picture. And in that picture, next slide, that there is these two categories. There is the creator God and there is the created. And they're the two major categories. There's God, he's a different, everything else created. So creator, created, creation, creature. 
And those things are distinct from one another. And it's important that we know this distinction. But then something slightly changes as you read through and you get to the sixth day. Not only is there this distinction between creator and created, but then there's this distinction between creation and creation, between creature and creature. Because a different being gets made called the human being. And it is clear, the Bible wants us to say, the human is different from the rest of creation. It's awesome. So it says this in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and the livestock and all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. Verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So now we see that there is a distinction. We are not like anything else God made because God has made us in his image. In other words, he puts personhood into humanity that he doesn't to the animals, that he doesn't to the trees. We have freedom to make decisions that no other being has. We have a different relational, communal connection than anything else that's been created has. We are different. The way that Anthony Hoakima says in Created in God's Image, he says, to be a creature means that I cannot move a finger or utter a word apart from God. To be a person means that when my fingers are moved, I move them. And that when words are uttered by my lips, I utter them. And so if, you, if you're new to Christianity, you, you might not be aware of this, but in the Bible there's this constant tension as you read through the story between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. And that tension exists only with humans. It's not with animals, it's not with trees, it's not with planets, because there is this personness that exists in the human. We have this thing that makes us like God. And just pause for a second and consider just how incredible it is that the Creator God would share His governance of His creation with people. That's wild! Just that thought that He would create everything and then create humans and say, you are going to work with me, under me, and govern. Oh, how many people were mowing their lawn this weekend? Whippersnipping, hands up. Okay, a few of you, a few of you men are like, been putting that off. Why did you bring it up? Now it's in my wife's mind. Thanks. Thank you very much. Hey, you're welcome. Just trying to help relationships. Okay, so that's Genesis one. But then Genesis two, what Genesis two goes and goes. Okay, let's not just look at the seven days. Let's let's actually narrow down in on this one moment where God creates humans. And so it kind of goes in further where God is creating these image, image bearers. And what do we see? We see the instruction that he gives to them. He gives them purpose. And so he said, have dominion in chapter 1, but now we see he tells them the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. One way we image God is participating in his work in the world. This is awesome because every single thing that you do, whether it's in a factory, whether it's in a classroom, whether it's in an office, all of it is contributing to the kingdom and work of God in the world. So there is no such thing as a meaningless job if it's done for God, if it's done unto God, if it's thinking about how it is connected to God. And so we don't have a hierarchy of, of jobs. Everything's valuable. It's all meaningful. But we also see the limitation 
that man is created in the image of God, but is distinct still from God. So you are like me in a certain way, to a certain degree, but you still remain creaturely. And this is so important for us to remember, that we are not God. We will never be God. We cannot be God. We are not little gods. We are still creatures, but we are creatures made in the image of God, called by God. And so what he does is he actually, he kind of in a sense says, hey, I just want to just make sure that you know that I'm God and you are not. And he says, the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. So part of being human, part of being who you and I were designed to be is to be in a relationship, a certain type of relationship to the creator God. And it is my belief, and I think it's the scripture's view that it portrays, is that you will never feel a sense of fulfillment. You will never find this true sense and depth of peace and joy without that connection coming back in. And we need it. And disobedience, in this sense, is subverting God to be creaturely and for the creature to become godly. It is to say, I know what's best. I know how this should work, not you. I know you made me. I know you thought me up. I know you made everything but we know better and we subvert that and that's where everything goes wrong. But we also see incompletion. If you read the story, everything is good, 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 good. And then we see on the the sixth day in chapter 2, it's the first time where God says something is not good. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. What is the incompletion? The incompletion is isolation, independence, alone, no other. God, you will see throughout the story, and we saw it in, the, in Matthew, Father, Son, Spirit, community, three different persons, God. And so when he makes us in his image, there has to be an, another. And so what he does is he then says there is something not Right here, there is something that is missing and they will not be able to image me on their own. Bill Clem says, if the man is alone, he does not have the relational opportunity to image God to another, nor does he have the relational opportunity to experience someone else imaging God to them. This is the beauty of community, is I will reflect something of the nature of God to you. You will reflect something of the nature of God to me. And the more of us that there is, the more, the greater, the bigger, the grander picture that we see of God. Because we are all different and we are all mirroring God to some degree. So we need each other. We can't be isolated Christians because we won't see something about that person. I love the way that Tim Keller used to put this. He used to talk about two friends that he had for a long time. And they were like always together. They went to college and university together. They studied in seminary together and they always knew each other. And then one of them moved away. And what happened was there was something about his relationship with one friend that when, when, when that friend wasn't there for him, he couldn't see it. But also he realized there's only some things that would come out of that friend when the other friend was there because of the personality differences. And so it was like it wasn't just I needed one, we needed many. And as you see each other in different spaces and we connect and we, we do things together, we start to see and image aspects of God. And so as you read the story of the Bible, central to the imaging of God is the embodiment of loving relationships. What do we see Adam and Eve doing in the garden? They are walking together, walking with God in the cool of the day, it says. They are loving, they are worshipping, they are reflecting God one to another. 
at the beginning of the story, they know God, they trust God, they follow God. Let's jump to the end of the story. The end of the story, if you go to Revelation chapter 21, it begins with, there is this new creation. So it's very similar to Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God creates the heavens and the earth. Revelation 21, 1, it's this new heavens, this new earth. It's, it's the picture at the end when God starts to make a whole new world. And what do we see throughout this picture? God is again the creator. He is the one who is creating the new heavens and the new earth. We also see in verse 3, it is God who dwells with his people, just like in the garden. He's dwelling, he's walking with Adam and Eve. There is a connection. 21.7 talks about being called the sons of God. It's, it's another way of saying being image bearers of God. We are in his likeness like a father and a son. You can kind of see, oh yeah, you're such and such as kid. I can tell, I can see that in you. It's that sons of God. We, we look like God. People can tell that we are his Throughout, we are called his bride in, in verse 2, in verse 9. We, there's this ongoing loving relationship with God. And I love this in verse 4, verse 6, and then we particularly see it even more in Revelation 20, 22, is death then gets swallowed up completely. So what happened in the garden is death entered into the story, starts to break all the image bearing, starts to break all the relationships, starts to break the knowledge of God, starts to break the trust of God, starts to break the following of God. And at the end of the story, he's like, I'm doing away with everything that's broken this. And it says it is swallowed up. It's a huge picture. It is done. I have a black lab. If it gets another particular animal that we might have in our house, it's swallowed up. No chance of it coming back. It is done. So we give up and we let it be. He's eaten it. When God swallows up death, it is gone. It is done. There is no chance. It was a really good reference. You guys should have really went with it more, but that's fine. So in the beginning of the story, we see in the garden there are these two trees. There's the tree of life. There's the tree of knowledge and good and evil. One tree to bring life. One tree brings death. You get to the end of the story. Revelation 22, there are these Trees of life. It says one on either side. It's two trees, but both are the tree of life. And now we live in the middle. And what do you think we might need? We need another tree. Trees in the beginning. One leads to death, one leads to life. Two trees at the end. Trees of life. We need a tree in the middle which deals with death and deals with life. And you get that with Jesus. He is restoring and starting to put things back together as they were supposed to. And now you and I live in the in-between, living in light of the middle tree. And on that tree, death is dealt with. And on that tree, life is given. And you can't in the beginning, you cannot, we, we don't get to image God unless we have life and light. You can't do it. So we need life to be brought back in. And that's what Jesus does in the beginning of the middle tree. He is dying. He is taking on himself. And then he is crushing death so he can bring back life. And so we need the middle tree. And discipleship, the reason why Jesus is saying this is the mission is because what discipleship is, discipleship is the journey where the work of the cross, what Jesus did by dying and resurrecting, what that represents and all that he accomplishes there is worked out in the life of the believer through the process of discipleship. So we don't go from zero to 100. I don't go from being hurt 
to being whole, to being sinful, to no sin, to like being jerk guy, to being non-jerk guy. Just ask a few people who've been around, still partly jerk guy, still learning how to be less jerk guy, right? None of you are laughing at any of my jokes. Are they just real bad today? Am I just, I'm just horrible? Okay, all right, sorry. But what should happen is over time as I get to know Jesus better and I learn that I can trust him with my life and I surrender my life to him and I start following him, the man I am today is not the man I was five years ago. The father that I am today is not the father I was five years ago. The friend I am today is not the friend I was five years ago. The pastor I am today is not the pastor I was five years ago. It's a journey. It's a journey that starts with the cross and then discipleship is like, let's help each other grow so that stuff starts to get really deep in us and it leads to like we become different people. And so at some point, if you are a new Christian, this is one of the coolest things, at some point you're going to bump into someone who's going to say, wow, I never would have thought that you'd be like this. It is one of the most encouraging things. I remember I had someone and I wasn't sure, like am I supposed to be offended or not? And I took it as a, no, I'll, I'll take this. They said to me they thought I'd end up in prison or I'd be like a bum on the street. And they're like, but you're a pastor. So I guess you found somewhere in the middle to meet those two together. <laughs> you know? uh, but it was just like that all they saw of my future was no hope. Loser guy, going down a path. And then I met them 15 years later. And they're like, wow. I've had people in this church who have said to me, you're not the pastor you used to be. Ten years ago, you would have spoken to me like that. And now you speak to me like this. And they appreciate it. Pray for my wife. I'm still waiting for this moment with her. She's like, you have really grown. I've seen it in you. Another joke, not landing. Okay. I think that means it's time to wrap up. So, why is our church, why are we saying we believe that our mission needs to be making mature and multiplying disciples? Because putting on a, on a show won't lead to transformation. But being committed to growth will. And it's not that some of the things that we do don't matter, they do, but they only matter as much as they facilitate and help us to move and grow. And our, our goal, our hope, is to see you, wherever you are, whether you're not a Christian and you're exploring. Whether you, you've been a Christian, you're just starting to come back to church and kind of get a little bit more trust back in and you're exploring again. Or whether you've been a Christian for 40 years and there's nothing that we can teach you that you've never heard of before. Wherever you are in that, that spectrum, we want to journey together so that we would know Jesus more, learn to trust Him more, and follow Him more. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray as the band come up and then let us sing and rejoice. God, we thank You. Thank you for that middle tree. For without it, we could not be followers of you, Jesus. Without it, we could not change the way we want to change. We wouldn't be able to grow. We wouldn't be able to heal. But because of what you have done on that cross of dying for our sin, defeating and swallowing up death, and then rising again to new life and giving us your life and putting your life in us. We have hope that we can be your image-bearing sons and daughters 
who reflect you. Because we know you. We've been journeying with you. We've gotten to understand you as our Father. We've got to understand you as, as the Son and the Spirit. And, and that has transformed us. And God, we can help each other in those spaces to learn. And Lord, we, we know what it's like to receive grace so we can give grace. We know what it's like to receive forgiveness so we can offer forgiveness. We know what it's like to receive comfort so we can offer comfort. There are all these things and these implications that happen through knowing who you are and learning to walk with you. So, Father, I pray that you would help our church, help all of us, those of us who are with us today and not with us, to continue on this path of growing in our knowledge of who you are, in our trust of who you are, and in our following in your ways in this world, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, what? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. We provide our podcast free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others. But please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.